0: John chapter 8 will be in verses 52 down to the end of the chapter there in verse number 59. This morning we celebrate and honor veterans on this Veterans Day weekend. We honor them because they have served our country, they have fought for the freedoms that we enjoy. But if we're honest, the truth is the freedoms that we enjoy are fleeting, It was Ronald Reagan that said freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. We look around this country and we see chaos we see anarchy, and we see that our freedoms are eroding. This week, we had elections, and many people, unfortunately, put their hope, their hopes in, into the results of these elections. The truth is that the world of politics is filled with corrupt, sinful people in every group. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian, or an Independent. You will find corrupt people. True freedom will never be found in politicians. True freedom is not found in this world. As we dwell here without Christ, this world will always have its oppressors and the oppressed. But the truth is, we call for freedom. We cry for freedom, but man really doesn't want freedom. What we want is we want our desire to be met, we desire to be cared for, we desire to be protected, and we have a perception of freedom. We want to be able to live the life that we desire. Israel had God as their king, and, and yet they called for a king like every other nation. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, we find Samuel at the end of his life and uh, his three sons who are in line to maybe take his place were wicked. And so the leaders of the nation come to Samuel and they said, you're old. How about that? Uh, You're old, you're going to die, and your sons are terrible. These were politically correct people at the time. You're old and your sons are terrible. We want a king like every other nation. And Samuel looked at him and said, you don't want that. And this is what we find in the Bible. Samuel said unto them, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and to be his horsemen and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to air his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be Confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers, and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, and even the best of them, and give them to his servants, and he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and put them to work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. And ye shall be his servants, and ye shall cry out in the day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Listen to what the Bible says. Basically he says, everything you have, this king will take. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like the nations. And this is why they want a king. That our king may judge us, that he may go out before us, and most importantly, that he might fight our battles. We have true freedom in God, and he is our king, but we don't want that. We want somebody that's going to protect us and make us like all the other nations. You see, we want what we want. We have a perception of what life is should be like, and so that's what we want, and we're willing to give it up. We see that in our country. People are willing to give up their rights and their freedoms for a government handout. The promise of a few dollars here and there, the promise of a welfare system, the promise of medical assistance, the, problem of the, the promise of we'll take care of you, the promise of we know what's best for you, and we're willing to give it up if we believe we can have the life that we want. Can I tell you, my friend, true freedom is and will only be found in Jesus Christ. The greatest freedom that you and I can have is that of spiritual freedom. And today it's fitting as we look at John chapter eight to look at the freedom that we can have in Christ. Father, thank you for the freedoms that we currently enjoy But I pray, Lord, that we won't just sit back and rest in the comforts of the life that we have or maybe the life that we want. But Lord, we would understand the true reality that we live in a fallen, corrupt world and we're all sinners, slave to sin. And that true freedom will only be found through Jesus Christ. And if there's somebody here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, I pray today would be the day in their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles is to help people understand that they have a problem. We see that in our world today. They always say the first step to any problem is what? It's admitting it. Nobody wants to admit they have an alcohol problem. Nobody wants to admit they have a gambling problem. Nobody wants to admit that they have a pornography problem or a cigarette problem. I can can quit any time that I want. I'm okay. And this is where we find the the nation of Israel here in John chapter 8. Jesus is there before them and he's having this conversation with them. and And Jesus tells them, you are in bondage. But they don't want to admit it. They said, wait a minute here, buddy, we're we're of Abraham's seed. And so the first thing I want you to see today is the bondage that you are in spiritually. Look at verse uh, number 34, back if you would, with me there in John chapter 8. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You see, the issue is not whose heritage you are in or what line you are in or if you're Abraham's seed or not. The issue is not what background you have. Listen, the issue is not whether or not you're from America or from another country. The issue is that you are a sinner and therefore you are in bondage to sin apart from Jesus Christ. Going back all the way to Genesis, we see the, the picture of the bondage that man has, has been in. Could you imagine with me back in Genesis chapter three, how, or back in Genesis chapter one, when God created man in his image and placed him into the garden and, and said, You have dominion over the garden? And how amazing it must have been as we see that on a day to day basis, Adam and Eve had the privilege to walk with God in a sinless world. I mean, it is amazing. Hey, listen, I don't know how, uh, what your family's like and what your home's like, but I know the best of you here, you have a dysfunctional home. Alright? Because you're in it. Let's be honest. I'm in it. Alright? No matter how peaceful I'd like for my home to be, no matter how great I'd like for my home to be, I mean, it would be great to have a family and to have a home without sin. But that's not realistic. Imagine being there in the garden when Adam and Eve were there without without sin. But in comes Genesis chapter 3. And we find Adam and Eve are deceived. They take of the fruit and they eat of that fruit. Their eyes are open and sin enters into the world. And then you begin to see this sin and how it permeates society. You go up a few chapters to the and you have the tower of babel where they say, we wanna, we wanna build a tower to, to get to God. And, and Eve, they, they wanted their eyes to be open and to be like God. Satan, even in his fall, as Lucifer, wanted to, to be like God and, and his pride, he fell. And, and so we see that going on. You go then to the flood and, and the wickedness of the world was before God and, and only Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we have the story of, of the great flood. And you move on and you you can just for time's sake, you go to Egypt and and you see the wickedness of Egypt and how God brings his people who were enslaved there out of Egypt and the exodus. And then you have the wandering in the wilderness and you have the bickering and the fighting and the whining and the complaining. And and no, I'm not talking about your children. I'm just talking about the children of Israel. Uh, They're wandering in the wilderness and the sinfulness of them turning their back on God. And as God shows them blessing, They're not grateful at all. They just keep complaining about the different situations that they're going on in life. And then you come to Judges and you have the the cycle of sin where they sin against God. They go into bondage. They repent and God brings them out. Then they they forget God. They sin against him and this goes on and on. And then you come to the time period of the kings and the wickedness of the different kings that ruled the nation of, of Israel. And then we go to Romans chapter one and verses 18 through 32 and you see the sinfulness of man and, and Romans chapter three verse nine through 12 where the Bible says there is none righteous, no not one. In verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter five, sin entered uh, by one man and so de- sin passed upon all and so death has passed upon all. But I want you to look with me, hold your place there in John and look at Romans chapter six if you would. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 17. Romans 6 verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. You see, the great bondage that we face is sin. And so Paul is writing throughout the book of Romans, you can trace the issue of sin and you come to Romans chapter six and he says, listen, you were in bondage because of your sin. My friend today, without Jesus Christ, you are in bondage in your sin and you're a servant of sin. Hey, well, I'm an American, I'm free. Listen, it doesn't matter what country you were born in, what family you were born in, what city you were born in. It doesn't matter what church you attend. Without Jesus Christ, you are in the bondage of sin, and you are a slave to sin. And this is where we find them in John chapter eight. They say, wait, wait a minute, we're, we're not slaves. We're free because we are of Abraham's seed. So number two, then we see their blindness. In verse 52 of John chapter 8, it says, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus has been trying to instruct them and teach them, but they've been so intent and so focused on earthly matters and and physical matters, they were blinded to the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to, to teach them. And so at the end of verse 53, they even asked Jesus, who do you think you are? And they were blinded. You know, we live in a blind society when it comes to spiritual truth. We, we got people running around and they, they believe, hey, listen, I'm in the upper class. I'm in the middle class. I'm doing pretty good. I'm okay. Why do I need, why do I need a Savior? And we're just as blind as those Israelites were that were saying, hey, I'm of Abraham's seed. Why do we need a Savior? We've never been in bondage to anybody. Don't you know what our heritage is? And so many people today believe that we're good enough. But you know, another reason the world's blind is the church isn't preaching on sin anymore. Well, we don't want to offend people. We we want to be politically correct. We don't want to make people upset. Hey, we're going to have our charity programs and we're going to have our good works and our good deeds and and that's going to be enough. Hey, listen, there's nothing that we should do as a Christian that we don't look for opportunity to share the gospel. Hey, listen, if you're feeding people and you don't share the gospel, you're failing in your responsibility as a believer. Well, I just want to help them out, make them feel good about their life. I want to build up their self-esteem. People with high self-esteem are dying and going to hell every day. Because we're so consumed about how people feel instead of where they're going to do- go when they leave this world. And they were blind to their sin. And so we're, today we're letting people stay comfortable in their sin. Churches are, are, are building recreational programs and they're having all kinds of activities and all, all kinds of good things and, and thing, good things happening and good things going on in our world. And yet there's no gospel ministry. And so they don't know who Jesus is. There's no way that anybody should attend a church, a Bible believing preaching church where they don't leave and they don't know who Jesus Christ is. But you know there's building after building with the name church on it all throughout our country and people go in and they leave and they don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Jesus is the savior of the world and people are blind to that. And they were right here, here, Harry he was, right before these Israelites, and they said to him, who do you think, who do you think you are? And over th- all throughout this passage, Jesus tells them, listen, you say you're of Abraham's seed, you say you believe in God, but you don't even understand who I am. And it was God himself that that has honored me and told you who I am. You go all the way back to his birth and there and in and, and the gospel of Luke and the gospel of Matthew, the angels proclaimed who this baby is that was born in Bethlehem. You go to his baptism and the heavens opened up and God himself said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Later, he'll be honored at his resurrection. Later, he'll be honored at the ascension. But ultimately, he'll be honored, as we read in the book of Philippians, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. When I was in college, I played uh, collegiate basketball at Pensacola. And uh, my senior year, we we had a really good team and uh, we were playing in the, the championship game uh, there in our Collegian Basketball League there and, and everything. And we had a kid named Wayne Penn on our team. He was probably the best player on campus. And he, he never tried out for our college team, but could have made the team start. He, he was an amazing player and he played for our, our Collegian team. And, um, and Mr. Tucker, uh, who works in our school, he was our coach. And, and so we had a great season and we come to the championship game and there were some boys on the other team that used to play for our college team. And uh, and they were arrogant, to say the least. And um, you know, going into the game, and one of the boys um, from our our collegian asked the other team and said, "Hey, what are you going to do about about Wayne Penn?" And the boy looked at him and said, "Who's Wayne Penn?" And so at halftime, we were winning by 32 points in that game. And so the boy walked up to that other boy and said, "Have you figured out who Wayne Penn is yet?" Wayne probably had 25 points in that first half. I mean, he was just, he was a great, great player. You know, a lot of people are, who's, who's this Jesus? People need to know who Jesus is. And we live in a world that's blinded, and the church needs to preach Jesus. Christians need to share Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. And one day, everybody, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But many are going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. See the blindness spiritually. But number three, I want you to see the gladness. Look at verse uh, 55, if you would. He says, yet ye have not known him. But I know him, talking of God, and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. And then notice what he tells them in verse 56. Your father Abraham, who you have been proclaiming and talking about your heritage and, and you're holding on to, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham believed God, and the Bible tells us it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham saw the day when Christ was coming and Abraham was glad. Can I tell you today that gladness comes from true freedom and that true freedom only comes from Jesus Christ. Now I don't know all that a- went down and all that Abraham knew, but I believe that he knew the day of Jesus was coming. He knew that God was going to send his Messiah and that God was going to send a savior. Going back to G- Gal- or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12, Remember, God told Abraham, hey, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations and through your seed. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And so Jesus tells these, the the seed of Abraham, these Israelites there, he says, listen, your father Abraham, who you're claiming, he looked to my day. It wasn't about his works and it wasn't about what he did and it wasn't about who he was. It was about me. And Abraham was looking to me and that's what made him glad. That's what changed the world. Gladness comes from true freedom. We think we know what we want until we get it. God had promised to bless all nations through Abraham. And listen to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ. Then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. You see, what they lost sight of and they did not understand was, in order to truly, spiritually be in Abraham's seed, you must first be Christ's. You must be in Christ. I love those words all throughout the New Testament. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. To be in Christ means that you received him as your Savior. That's what truly is going to bring gladness in life. Gladness comes from true freedom, spiritual freedom. Hey, listen, you could have all the the blessings that this country has to offer. You can have all the wealth that this world has to offer. And, And listen, there are so many people that have material things, and they're miserable in life. And you know, there are countless people that have very little to nothing, but they have Jesus Christ. And you look at their heart and life, they are glad and they are rejoicing, and they are joyful people because they have figured it out. They figured it out. They figured out who Jesus is and why he came and what he did, and they received that gift of salvation. And that brought true gladness in their life. And then finally, number four, the last thing I want you to see from this passage is in verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was... I am. Now in the verse previous to that, Jesus told them uh, basically that I knew Abraham and, and they said to him, you're not even 50 years old yet. You're not even 50 years old yet, how could you know? How could you see Abraham? And they didn't get the picture so Jesus says to them, I am the great I am. Now that I am is a claim to his deity but it's also a claim to freedom. Remember back to the book of Exodus. And if you don't know that story, Israel was in bondage and, and they had been bonded in bondage for some 400 years and, and God sent Moses to go and to lead them out of the, the land into the promised land. And Moses asked God, why are they going to believe me? Who am I going to tell them sent me? And God said, tell them I am, I am. I am. So for the Israelites, not only is that statement a picture of God's deity, but it's also a picture of freedom. Because it is God that brought them out of the land of Egypt and into the promised land. And so it is Jesus Christ, as he claims, I am, is claiming that I can give you true freedom. True freedom. My friend, we can fight. We can war. We can labor. We're never gonna have true freedom. It's one generation away. And it seems like the physical freedoms that we enjoy are fleeting. But true freedom that's found in Jesus Christ can never be taken away. Isn't that amazing? Can never be taken away. I hope that you'll be honest with yourself today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're in bondage to sin. Don't let the things of this world blind you to that reality. No matter how moral you think you are, no matter how well your life is going, you are in bondage to sin. But look to Jesus as he died in your place as a sacrifice for your sin. And if you'll, by faith, accept that gift, he'll save you from your sin and give you true freedom that will bring gladness and joy and rejoicing. And Jesus is the only one that can do it. Why? Because he is God that came in the flesh. He is the great I am. Let's stand together. Father, we are so grateful for the sacrifice of men and women, for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, and I pray for those that are even now around the, the world sacrificing and fighting so that we might keep these freedoms. But Father, help us today to understand the spiritual freedom that is found, the true freedom that is found that can never be taken, that is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone.